0: The new Carl's Jr. Tex-Mex Bacon Thick Burger. It's not for everyone. If you flinch when sizzling fire-roasted fajita veggies pass your table, it's not for you. It's not for you if the heat of pepper jack cheese once gave your mouth a boo-boo. But if fire-roasted peppers and onions and bacon on black Angus beef makes you want to take a massive bite while straddling the Texas-Mexico border, it's for you.
1: Introducing the tex Max Bacon Thick Burger at Carl's Jr. for a limited time of participating restaurants.
0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new season of Holistic Living with Josh and Jeannie Rubin. Um, as you know, we are uh, really excited this year to um, launch, a—I would say, anywhere from 9 to 12 shows with our uh, one and only Ray Pete from raypete.com. Um Today's show we're going to be talking about inflammation, um, more his view on inflammation, where it comes from, um, what's involved in inflammation, what's in our environment, and our bodies that's creating inflammation. I mean, our goal this entire year is to really kind of give everyone an education, whether you're a practitioner, um, whether you're the lay person, We feel like Ray can offer a lot of, insight into what's going on in your life, your physiology. And we feel that not only can he add some insight, but um it can educate you. So we want to start from the base, work all the way up to solutions, which will be last. Um, and uh I'm sorry guys, let me just click Genie in because he has a Ray on the other she has Ray on the other line. Let me um on,
1: Josh. Yes. Can you hear
0: sure. me? Okay.
1: Okay. Oh, oh.
0: Hey, hi, Ray. How you doing? Hi. So I was just introducing and telling everyone kind of um, where we're going this year, starting at a base, really educating people from the why behind everything instead of always talking about solutions. Um, so we're starting our show, our first show, with kind of information, Um And I kind of talked about why. Um, so as I mentioned before, guys, we, uh, we're kind of leaving the whole caller thing up in the air. If we feel like um, there's a lot of callers, and um, Ray sparks a lot of questions and interest, then we will take callers. If I feel like uh, he's on a roll and we're learning a lot, um, and I want to uh, get as much in as we can in the short 60 minutes, then we probably won't take callers. Uh, just two things. When you're on the line, just wait a little bit, because if he's talking, I'm not going to interrupt him. Um, and secondly, when you... Um, when I click you on, please say your name and where you're calling from, and I'll say your area code so I know, or you know, who I'm clicking in. Um, So, I guess here we go. How's how's it going, Ray?
2: Very good. Um, Have you talked anything about the history of what people believe about inflammation? Um,
0: Well, you know, our our first question was kind of, um, you know,
2: what what I've
0: gathered from a lot of your research and Jeannie, you you have based on your science and research kind of a very different view on a lot of things so why do not you um tell us kind of how the definition in your eyes of inflammation has changed and kind of um maybe explain the traditional definition and give your definition of what inflammation is
2: okay um LA metchnikoff about a hundred years ago more more than a hundred years ago uh discovered the uh, phagocytes and uh, explored the immune process in which uh, when you put a splinter into an organism, um, uh, white blood cell type uh, cells engulfed it. And uh, uh, they would eat it if it was edible or uh, just concentrate and uh, form uh, either like a sheath or a, a pus deposit around it and um, for Metchnikoff uh, immunity was uh, this sort of process in which uh, certain cells uh, protect the organism basically by eating it up and uh, that was uh, considered sort of the essence of inflammation and it was a good thing but for Metchnikoff the immune system, he was looking at primitive uh, organisms, cylinderates, and uh, he viewed this eating process as part of the developmental process, maintaining and generating the proper structure of the organism. Um, uh, There's an English doctor, uh, uh, Jamie Cunliffe, who is following up on Metchnikoff's idea of what the immune system is. And uh, as she expresses it, it's um, the, the process of cleaning up messes. But the general idea is that uh, our immune system is primarily to maintain our organism and uh, the idea of being directed at foreign invaders is really secondary to the process of uh, fixing anything that goes wrong in the organism. So it's a developmental process primarily. But uh, because of the um, uh, the person, Ehrlich, who got the Nobel Prize with Metchnikoff, he was working on uh, uh, toxins to kill invading uh, organisms – uh, the um, idea of killing invaders uh, came to be identified with immunity and um, inflammation. Of throughout the 20th century, nearly was uh, inflammation was seen as a good uh, defensive reaction against uh, invaders. But if you uh, try to continue the Metchnikoff Cunliffe uh, idea, um, the inflammation really is um, a problem rather than a solution. Uh, when things are really working smoothly we can either tolerate the uh, presence of foreign organisms um, or eliminate them without a big mass being being produced. <clears throat> um, and uh, F.W. Coke was a uh, an american uh, biochemist and doctor who um showed that organisms can be tolerated at very high levels without producing a uh, disease when our immune system is really working uh, that uh, he he gave another perspective on on why inflammation is really something separate from the immune system and um about 20 years ago, people started uh, shifting their thinking and seeing that uh, degenerative diseases are all uh, inflammatory processes. Um, the um, hardening of the arteries, um, brain degenerative diseases of all sorts, including Alzheimer's disease, um, aging in all of its aspects involves uh, Inflammation, rather than uh, simply cleaning up the mess quietly, the, um, the factors that, uh, with, with aging being a, a, an exaggeration of the inflammatory process, suggests looking at the earliest stages of development, uh, uh, not not just going back to Mendelhows. Uh, evolutionary view of evolution but looking at our development uh, during gestation and when the fetus or embryo is injured, the tissue is simply repaired without producing a scar or inflammation Um, so the, uh, the prenatal functioning of the immune system is uh basically what Metchenkoff and Cunliffe, uh were talking about that it's keeping the integrity of the organism and uh, not worrying about uh, the process of killing invaders and uh, what happens after uh the uh, the the fetus is fully developed and is born uh then um, there's no longer the mother's body and the placenta filtering the environment, and um, all mammals um, have at birth a a very low concentration of the so-called essential fatty acids, the polyunsaturated fats. As these uh, are taken in from the environment without the filtering process, of the placenta, um, the action of the immune system starts to produce inflammation and scarring and defective healing of of the damaged area where uh, prenatally, without inflammation, everything uh, proceeded smoothly simply to to create a new uh, area substituting for the damaged area. Uh, removing damaged material and and smoothly reconstructing it, and it's the accumulation progressively of the polyunsaturated fats that uh, starts what we know as inflammation. That um, it, it when cells are inflamed, they um, shift from an oxygen-based metabolism to a simple sugar-consuming metabolism, and uh, are in an excited state that promotes cell division. And um, in this uh, oxygen-free or oxygen-wasting environment, the cells um, begin to produce uh, collagen as part of a repair process, but the ability to remove the collagen is impaired by the presence of polyunsaturated fats, and the the breakdown of the polyunsaturated fats involves the production of of prostaglandins, which uh, aren't really part of the uh, essential development of the uh, embryo and fetus, but they become very important as we begin eating the polyunsaturated fats. Uh, so the uh, the um presence of these excitatory mediators prostaglandins um and the free fatty acids uh blocks the cleanup process and keeps the, the um in- inflammation going uh, uh, and leads to the the production of a scar depending on on how unopposed the polyunsaturated fats are, you tend to get a, a bad healing and a big scar. And uh, that's part of why um, vitamin E, by opposing those processes, can uh, practically eliminate uh, scarring if you get a very high concentration in the presence of the healing process.
1: Ray, can I interrupt you real quick? You're talking about the fetus and, a, and um you know, the the placenta working as a filter in protecting the immune system against, you know, like you're saying, the polyunsaturated fatty acids? What, I mean, if a, if a mother has a diet high in polyunsaturated fatty acids, would the placenta still act as a filtering agent to... Um, uh,
2: yeah, it, it normally, um, even people who have been on a high uh, N-3 and N-6 diet, the babies come out, according to current definitions, as being uh, essential fatty acid deficient. And so that's the argument for putting fish oil in baby formula and such. But um, when you look at at, uh, calves, uh, they're uh, extremely deficient at birth, but even the small amount of of polyunsaturated fat in milk, uh, maybe 2% of the fat, is unsaturated, uh, they will gradually uh, also um, start to load up as they grow, and their fats will become more and more unsaturated. But um, when when people have uh, tried to supplement uh, pregnant women to correct that uh, universal deficiency at, of the newborn, they find that the um, babies uh, are born smaller, more susceptible to allergies and inflammatory diseases. And th- the worst part of it is that their brains are smaller, not just their bodies, but the brains are, uh, development is retarded. And people who are trying to show that the brain uh, requires the N minus 3 fats were uh, feeding these to pregnant women. Uh, and they expected to show that the fetus would be able to learn more easily in utero uh, with a higher concentration of n minus three fats, but in fact they found that they didn't. The learn.
1: Opposite.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and hmm. uh, one of the uh, uh, events uh, caused by uh, the excess of n minus three, in particular, is that the Metabolism of tryptophan uh, which should go largely to form niacin and melatonin the uh, this type of unsaturated fat in particular followed by linoleic acid and n minus uh, six fat um, these cause tryptophan to be metabolized in a toxic direction, producing uh less uh, niacin and uh, more of the excitotoxic quinolinic acid, and even more of the carcinogenic forms of the uh, tryptophan indole derivatives.
1: Hmm.
0: So, you know, you, you, know if you, might, you might have mentioned it. <laughs> you know, this stuff is just fascinating. It definitely takes a little bit for a lot of us to wrap our head around, but um, you know, where? what do you think causes inflammation? I mean, are you saying that all inflammation starts from polyunsaturated fatty acids, you know, from the food that people are eating? Um, or, you know, maybe you can elaborate that um, a little bit more for the listeners so they understand maybe where is this inflammation coming from. Is it just a food? Is it actually happening in utero? Um, you know, well, where is it
2: coming from? The, the challenge is what starts it, and... Instead of being a a quick corrective process, it's the presence of of the um, fatty, unsaturated fats that cause, instead of correction, uh, the inflammation, uh, calcium uptake, uh, accelerated growth and and collagen production, and eventually calcification of the fibrotic scar material uh, The the end stage is uh, calcification of fibrous tissue that then tends to lead to atrophy and uh, creates the conditions for uh, degeneration into cancer. But the the challenge, the worst challenge that we're constantly exposed to is the bacterial uh, toxin production in the intestine, uh, everyone has it unless they've uh, been specially prepared in a laboratory like, like germ-free rats. But um, everyone develops these uh, a balance of colonic bacteria. And the composition of the bacteria depend on what we eat. But um, they, there are always some that are producing endotoxins, uh, lipopolysaccharide molecule, uh, that uh, creates a stress-poisoning uh, physical disruption of cells lining the intestine and this uh, part of the reaction is uh, to produce um, serotonin The the intestine is um, where about 95% of our body's serotonin is produced and uh, it has various functions to stimulate peristalsis and uh, activate some defensive processes and so on. But when when there's a slight overbalance of, of the endotoxins in relation to our ability to uh, adjust the circulation and the phagocytosis and so on uh, to get rid of the, uh, the problem, then the serotonin starts to be the main problem and the serotonin activates other things including the formation of prostaglandins from fatty acids and um, the release of nitric oxide um, and this cluster of of, uh, things most of which can have an adaptive protective effect when, when there's not enough energy supplied to the organism and too much endotoxin from the bacteria, then the uh, nitric oxide and serotonin uh, create inflammation in the wall of the intestine and blood vessels, letting uh, endotoxin get into the bloodstream. And the endotoxin uh, causes this effect throughout the body then, um, releasing more nitric oxide and serotonin and uh uh, these things, the serotonin then becomes the main factor with um, aging and and a, accumulated stress effects.
0: Can you, you know, that's that's fascinating. I think people listening going that that's maybe rewind a little bit. Tell us what endotoxin is, because I know from reading a lot, I would say from what I've seen, you're probably one of the only people that talks about endotoxin. So a lot of people going, well, what is endotoxin? Maybe tell us, like, what is endotoxin and where does it come from and elaborate even more on how it affects us because as far as I know, like I said, you're the only one that really talks about
2: it. It's normally uh, just part of the bacterial uh, cell structure. The, the covering of the bacteria contains uh, a starch-like molecule with some uh, fatty acids attached to it. And it happens that uh, these are not only structurally part of the bacteria but uh, organisms have been dealing with them for so long that uh they are sort of our basic signal of uh n- the need to uh defend ourselves against the environment and and so uh, they are uh, very good triggers of such things as the production of of serotonin and nitric oxide. But uh, all bacteria produce, they they sort of leak these little molecules as they're uh, forming new bacteria or being stressed. The bacteria will uh, produce more of of these uh, chemicals that that have a physical irritating effect on on the lining of the intestine or uh, through the blood vessels once they get out of the intestine.
0: So how do we get exposed to these? Do we, do we get exposed to these from meats? Do we get exposed to these, you know, from the foods that we eat? Oh, um, yeah,
2: they're constantly being produced in in the lower uh, small intestine and colon, and okay. the upper part of the intestine normally is is um, completely free of bacteria. But when we eat undigestible food, uh, starches and, and complex uh, uh, fibrous materials, lignins, and so on, uh, these feed different combinations of bacteria depending on how undigestible they are. And uh, you, you can create particular symptoms, uh, like when they feed one type of uh Starch that humans can 't digest, but bacteria do they find that the um, uh, rats eating these rather than more digestible starches uh, become anxious and aggressive um, because of disturbance of of things like serotonin and nitric oxide and uh, so it 's the particular uh, amount and and type of of bacterial toxin. Uh, is determined by mostly by the, the presence of um, chemicals or things in our foods that we can't digest. And um, if you uh, think of, of um, what happens to um, uh, vegetables, if you keep them warm, uh, uncooked vegetables will uh, very quickly start producing. Bacterial overgrowth and and uh, uh, foul smelling uh, substances Um, when when they're eaten if they aren't reduced to a a liquid by chewing or preparation uh, this material passes along into the lower intestine and uh, supports the same kind of foul bacterial uh, decomposition products. and uh, the um if if um that material gets mixed with uh more proteinaceous things um uh, undercooked beans for example then you get uh, a different category of toxins the indoles indolamines things that uh, resemble serotonin and uh, histamine and things that resemble our natural uh inflammation-producing chemicals. come. Some of them come directly out of the bacterial interaction with beans and vegetables.
0: So just elaborate a little bit more on the endotoxin because I know you talk about it a lot because we're talking about inflammation. How does this affect, you know, going into perpetuating the cycle of inflammation? How does this affect the liver? And if the liver is affected, how does that affect other parts of the body in regards to the detoxification of estrogen and leading to more cell proliferation and inflammation?
2: Um, the, um, the liver should uh, absolutely uh, destroy any of these toxins that reach it, that get through the intestine. But when the intestine is in bad shape, uh, if the liver isn't well nourished and uh, well supplied with thyroid hormone to uh, give it the energy to, uh produce the antitoxic uh processes <clears throat> the poorly nourished liver or the low thyroid liver uh lets basically all of the junk absorbed through the permeable uh injured intestine lets all of it into the system and uh then you get uh things like uh leakiness of blood vessels which in the brain can cause Symptoms like multiple sclerosis and uh, edema in other organs, um, inflammatory processes involving the leaking um, movement of big molecules in and out of uh, blood vessels and other cellular compartments where they shouldn't be able to get uh, under good conditions.
0: I'm going to take a call, Ray. We've had a a guy waiting on the line for a while. Um, Actually, since the show started, so I want to take the call. He might have a question for you. Let's see what he has to say. Caller from the 858. What's your name? Where are you calling from?
2: Hello? What
0: to do? I can hardly hear you. You're going to have to turn up your volume. Are you there? Where are? I uh, oh no, we're gonna have to let them go. All right. <laughs> we'll move right along. These uh taking callers is always a challenging thing and I swear to god since we started it's always really challenging. We'll talk more about inflammation. They'll probably call back, I guarantee it. So, you know, we're talking about inflammation where it comes from. I'm so sure a lot of people are gonna have to really kinda listen to this over and over to gather it. Um, we've talked about endotoxin. Um uh, and we'll we'll go back to maybe some of the other um I should say inflammatory facilitators in our food and in our environment that can cause inflammation. But you know, with con- chronic inflammation, um, where does it go from there? Like, what do what do we see um, in our society today when it comes to chronic inflammation?
2: Uh, the um, when the liver uh, gets weakened by the bacterial toxins and lets them into the system, um, the liver also uh, begins to fail to regulate the body's own uh, uh, hormones. For example, estrogen accumulates uh, when the liver is being stressed by endotoxins, uh, uh, such that, for example, in a fertility clinic uh, the doctors uh, tried uh, giving infertile women uh, an antibiotic and They were checking their hormones and shortly after they took the antibiotic, the women uh, reported that they didn't have their um, fatigue and premenstrual type symptoms. But their blood tests showed that right after taking the antibiotic, their estrogen levels went down sharply, their progesterone went up at the same time, and the cortisol and other stress hormones went down uh, so that uh, they had created a a fertile uh, endocrine pattern just by taking an antibiotic. And the same thing has been done in in rats. Uh, Estrogen and cortisol down and uh, progesterone up with an antibiotic. And I've seen the same thing just with a carrot salad because the carrot is... um, an unusual vegetable in being antifungal, antibacterial, and uh, very resistant to production of endotoxin. So it it works like an antibiotic on the intestine, reducing endotoxins. And uh, when when the liver is is failing because of the endotoxin burden, and your cortisol and estrogen are high, uh, that goes with a systemic uh, excess of serotonin and deficiency of thyroid hormones. So serotonin lowers cellular oxidative metabolism and energy production. Uh, one of the uh, biological effects of high serotonin is to allow uh, rodents to hibernate uh, when they're under stress and the serotonin goes up uh, these rodents are able to drop their body temperature enough to go into a torpor and uh, get through the stress uh, of of bad food supply. And and, um, when when the days get warmer, for example, uh, their system starts uh, destroying the serotonin and bringing their metabolism back up. But uh, when people who can't uh, hibernate and people are are constantly exposed to the endotoxin serotonin pre uh, fatty acid and estrogen pattern. all of these things lower their ability to produce energy and um, tend to cause the body temperature to fall and as as part of the defensive system, serotonin happens to increase the pituitary hormones to uh compensate, for example, by driving the thyroid gland harder. Uh, serotonin stimulates the uh, TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone, but it also stimulates ACTH, prolactin, uh, gonadotropins, growth hormone, everything. It, it's just a, a sort of an emergency uh, turning on uh, the pituitary to try to drive everything up to compensate for the fact that the mitochondrial energy systems are being blocked by these same substances.
0: So just for everyone listening, he's just basically naming specific hormones and things in our body that will create inflammation, pull calcium from the bone, uh, drop body temperature, inhibit our immune system, just to kind of clarify all that. Yeah,
2: And, and all these pituitary hormones in themselves... Since they're they're endogenous, uh, doctors like to see uh, them up in a certain range, uh, so they don't like to see uh, a very low level of um, FSH, LH, TSH, and so on. And uh, they'll tell you that if you take thyroid to suppress your TSH, you're going to, to cause problems. But, in fact, the TSH itself causes most of the problems that are identified with hypothyroidism. Um, High serotonin is associated with with low thyroid function and high TSH. But the TSH itself um, contributes to a a great variety of inflammatory processes, uh, atherosclerosis, increased blood lipids, and, Increased blood pressure and uh, the whole range of conditions uh, that that seem mysterious to the doctors that that believe you should uh, have your um, PSH and thyroid hormones in the so-called normal range, but this right. is actually part of the inflammatory range.
0: Now, is it, I mean, is inflammation, I guess, important for the the uh for the process of healing or should we say it's essentially a bad thing it's going to create disease or is it actually a
2: process um uh, well
1: it depends on the environment is,
2: it, it's um, the um healing process of the the cunliffe kunlif uh view of the immune system there's always the opportunity when your pituitary is revving up it does increase the output of your of your thyroid gland and uh increase uh steroid production and such but uh, it happens that uh the um counter effect uh, of the energy lowering effect with aging tends to win out and even though the pituitary is is um potentially Having a curative effect, as long as you're uh, continuing to be exposed to endotoxin and uh, unsaturated fats and and the toxic prostaglandins, uh, then your adaptive processes are going to be constantly, at every moment, thwarted by these uh, inflammatory things, rather than the corrective, uh, energy-producing reactions that would happen to the fetus.
0: Thank you. I'm going to take this caller again, see if we can uh, get him back at the same guy that we had earlier. It's caller from the 858. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello. This is the reason why I cannot stand taking callers. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest with you. That's why I almost am going to abolish taking calls. Um
1: That'd be a good bother. idea.
0: Yeah. So we we talked about kind of, you know, inflammation, where it goes, um, the hormones, um, you know, um, its process. But um, you talked about carrots and, and, you know, reading a lot of your stuff, you do talk about carrots a lot and its effect on um, endotoxin. Can you talk about maybe other foods that are anti-inflammatory and at the same token talk about foods that are inflammatory?
2: Um. Well, calcium is um, sort of a central thing it It uh, stimulates cell energy production, and when the cell has um, what it needs, uh, such as sugar and and the vitamins and minerals, the calcium uh, will increase the oxidative metabolism and cause the cell to unbalance uh, have higher energy and ability to uh, prevent the harmful accumulation of calcium. Um, A calcium deficiency turns on the uh, inflammation-related processes to um, attempt to correct the calcium deficiency and this leads to um, eventually the calcification of of soft tissues that shouldn't be calcified. Uh, So the um, Uh, This is the main reason that I recommend using milk rather than meat because of the high calcium content. Uh, Meat has a a very high phosphate ratio to calcium. and uh, Eggs would um, have the right ratio if if people would eat the shell as well as the egg. But uh, with milk, you get a, a very good ratio of calcium to phosphorus. And uh, the parathyroid hormone that is suppressed when we eat enough calcium and and get enough vitamin D and vitamin K, the parathyroid hormone uh, has some of the inflammation-promoting effects. So um, keeping our hormones low is really one of the uh, goals of eating right. Uh, The pituitary should be as quiet as possible uh, parathyroid hormone should be low, estrogen and cortisol should be low, and uh, the, the the steroids that are protective, uh, pregnenolone and progesterone primarily, and DHEA uh, in itself. Um, these are um, produced by getting enough uh, vitamin A and vitamin E, and the uh, the Oil-soluble vitamins K and D. Um, um, keeping the uh, polyunsaturated fats down is is essential for all of these. Uh, too much unsaturated fat will turn off the the production of pregnenolone and progesterone, for example, and and increase the cortisol and uh, estrogen.
0: Yeah, all right, guys. Ray, Ray <coughs> you know, if you read his stuff over and over, um, he's, a, he's a big advocate of dairy um, and not an advocate of polyunsaturated fatty acids. And you can check out our YouTube page and blog and website. We've done some stuff on that, so you can understand like what foods have polyunsaturated fatty acids. He's not a he's not a cod liver oil advocate, and he's a huge dairy advocate and a
1: kind of a moderate
0: protein advocate in a simplistic sense.
1: All right, I'm gonna give
0: this caller one more chance. <clears throat> he's back on. He's persistent, so could be a she. Let's try. Um, caller from eight five eight. What's your name? Where you calling from? This is your last chance, buddy. Yes, not. See you later. You can, he can
1: probably hear you. Why don't you tell him to email you the questions so that might.
0: Yeah. If yeah, you got a question, so feel free to e- email us at info at com, And uh, uh, I don't mind asking Ray the question. Sometimes when callers call in personally like this, it just takes takes away time from the show. Um, right. and, uh, so
1: Ray, just, just to kind of get a sense, I mean, I know when people think inflammation they relate it to redness and swelling and stiffness and pain and all of those things. Um, however, you know, there's also that aspect of inflammation that you don't feel. So, how would somebody know, aside from, you know, arthritic conditions or uh, diabetics or those types of things? How would you know if you're suffering from some form of inflammation, um, underlying inflammation? I mean, is there the, any um, signs? <laughs>
2: uh, the the uh, defects in the energy process uh, will show up very early as uh, poor sleep quality tendency towards insomnia uh, uh fatigue or excitability um uh, many uh, nervous uh problems uh, uh inability to concentrate or being uh, twitchy and tense um uh, the the energy of the nervous system is probably the most sensitive uh indicator of of a a process tending in the direction of too much inflammation. Um, So it
1: would be safe to say that most people are suffering from some form of inflammation.
2: Yeah, by the time you're uh, eight years old or so, it's starting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So in saying that, as far as speaking about polyunsaturated fatty acids and whatnot, would you say in general... Eliminating them from the diet as much as possible, or in moderation. If somebody is more on a even keel, or more on a health um, um, yeah, road to uh, recovery, I mean, what's the, what's the the guideline as far as polyunsaturated fatty acids are concerned? Because I know that that's a big question. I mean, people are like completely eliminate them 100% because they're, go- they're you know they're completely toxic, or the response in the body is completely toxic to the body and the systems and whatnot. So
2: What is the fine line there? Well, it's, um, for example, a healthy 8-year-old with a very intense metabolic rate. Um, Kids have two or three times the rate of metabolism as adults, and that's largely the accumulation of of these pro-inflammatory things. But a healthy 8- or 10-year-old person can uh, burn a very large amount of polyunsaturated fats Mm -hmm. so that... uh, they accumulate it uh, more more slowly. Uh, once your metabolism has slowed down after puberty, uh, then a very high likelihood uh, of it uh, getting incorporated into your tissues uh, is the rule. And um, once your body has incorporated these uh, pro-inflammatory uh, materials, every time you're under stress or uh, haven't eaten for a certain length of time, uh, your body will resort to uh, burning the the, um, liberated fats which come partly from your your, um, fat tissue, Mm -hmm. the fat-looking material, the the stuff that looks and feels like fat, but partly from the breakdown of other cells that liberate phospholipids. And uh, the stress uh, will activate destructive uh, breakdown of proteiny tissues, uh, including your skin and first your thymus gland and muscles, but um, the skin is broken down uh, and used for for food, both for protein and uh, fat for energy. So if you can uh, dispose of these toxic stored materials through a healthy liver, your liver will sense them when they're released into the bloodstream and will treat them uh, just like any toxin and will attach uh, either a sulfate or a glucuronic acid to them and excrete them through the kidneys like a toxin. But if your liver... Is um, losing energy and not able to uh, excrete them as a toxin. Then uh, your various tissues, including the liver, will have to oxidize them for energy, and uh, that's where they uh, they they quickly poison the energy-producing apparatus and uh, are uh, turned into uh, inflammatory. Mediators increase the serotonin, um, right. so you can limit that uh, breakdown uh, by keeping saturated fats in your diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, coconut oil is has enough of the short chain, very water soluble fatty acids uh, that they will be taken up by preference and protect the mitochondria from the stress released. Um, polyunsaturated fats.
1: So you were uh, saying earlier, even with the vitamin E being more of an opposing factor,
2: uh, well, yeah, vitamin, coconut
1: oil works the same as well.
2: Yeah, vitamin E and coconut oil have very similar effects. And fruit, uh, besides having the sugar, which uh, helps to restrain the breakdown of tissues, uh, the minerals, potassium and magnesium and calcium in the fruits, um, help to... Uh, Stop that process too um, by um, acting sort of like insulin to to inhibit the breakdown of tissue. Great.
0: We got another caller. I'm going to try to take this caller. We got about <laughs> minutes left. It's not the eight five eight. I'm sorry. Anyone with eight five eight, I can't take your call right now. Call from the four five zero. What's your
1: name? Where are you calling from? Hi, hi. My name is GP. How are you, Doctor Pete? Hi. You? Do you remember me? Yes. <laughs> yes, he's a good fan of me. Uh, good question, uh, Doctor Pete, for the audience now. What is your advice to reduce the cortisol uh, secretion during the workout
2: in the gym? Do you have special advice to reduce that during and after the training? Um, yeah. Um, several years ago, uh, someone was taking blood samples from people uh, in the morning. just before they went for a jog and then when they got back uh, and then they had some people eat breakfast before they went for a jog and they found that the um, people who did that uh, amount of moderate exercise without eating breakfast had uh, broken chromosomes in their white blood cells. Uh, So it's uh, uh, sort of like uh, radiation injury to uh, exercise on an empty stomach. And uh, it seems to be the mostly the sugars and minerals in, in eating breakfast, probably just a glass of orange juice and milk would be enough to um, prevent that stress-induced uh, chromosome damage.
1: Okay, and do you agree uh, about
2: the bitter chocolate To prevent the cortisol secretion before workout yeah uh, chocolate has uh, it's probably mostly the leucine content of the chocolate it's a very high protein content but leucine acts like insulin and uh, helps to prevent tissue breakdown so chocolate is an anabolic protein more than uh, many other proteins
1: okay and it is okay to heat chocolate alone or especially with other food before training?
2: Uh, I think it's it's good to have some sugar with it.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Pete. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Josh. Bye.
0: I think that was a great question, because I know, I know your take on exercise, um, but a lot of people that tune in listen to exercise, so it's great to get. You know, I, I think it's important, because everyone out there is so keen on supplements, and the reason I like your approach and philosophy is because we use, you know, what mother nature provided us with definitely in a different way than most people, but you're just big on the nutritional side of it. And I think people need to hear that, uh, especially pre and post-workout. Um, so I hope a lot of people are tuning into that, um, in regards to, yeah, he's talking about maybe a supplement here and there, but it's really using nutrition to match the physiology of the body.
2: Yeah. There are some supplements that are worse than others. Um, Right. probably the two most dangerous are the the um uh carotenes because they act uh, very much like a polyunsaturated fat they are polyunsaturated um and the um tryptophan and uh hydroxytryptophan uh activate the the inflammation process very directly.
0: And and that's part of the biggest uh, thing we get from people. Is a lot of people don't understand that process, and they're pumping tryptophan in the body, pumping melatonin into their body without really knowing um, the negative cascade of effects they're creating. Um, you know, so I'm hoping people that are listening are picking up on that. We got another caller. We got about nine minutes left, so I'd love to take it. It's a different eight five eight. So let's hope it's uh, someone tuned in. Call from the eight five eight. What's your name? When you call from? Oh, Jesus! No, it's a different caller. So, well, we got about eight minutes left. No other callers. Is there anything else in regards to inflammation, rate that you want to talk about? Um, you know, just so people can have a better understanding.
2: Uh, oh, uh, well, uh, another um, dangerous thing that many people are using now <clears throat> is the uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Uh, right. Those, uh, to the extent that they do raise serotonin, uh, their, their antidepressive effect is probably because they activate other things in the brain, but the um, uh, they are being found uh, responsible for increased osteoporosis and uh, uh, breast cancer, and I think they'll probably uh, be found... Contribute to obesity. Now,
0: what do you say? Because a lot of people listen, and I know there's a lot of people out there that are taking these things, and they say, "Well, what's my choice? My doctor tells me tells me I need them. I don't know what to do. Like, what do you
2: recommend?" Uh, on the things that uh, promote your real energy production while lowering inflammation, uh, the thyroid hormone is. Um, uh, doctors have a very strange Idea about it that uh, was produced by the pharmaceutical industry Uh, but um, thyroid hormone itself is anti-inflammatory partly by suppressing the uh, pituitary thyroid stimulating hormone which is inflammatory and so the um, the things that uh, support the um, thyroid such as the saturated fats and sugars and salts uh, All of the minerals that are called uh, electrolytes—calcium, magnesium, sodium, and uh, potassium—help to um, protect tissues and uh, work with the thyroid to produce the right kind of steroids, pregnenolone and progesterone.
1: Fascinating stuff, Ray.
0: Yeah, I see. There's another love call. For and me. I oh, love <laughs> it, Sorry. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's it's such a bummer because these shows are 60 minutes, and and it's just I wish we could do it much longer. Um, I could definitely listen to you all day and and, and learn from you. Um, so you, I, I know a lot of the listeners really appreciate you coming on and and kind of uh, just sharing you know your wisdom and experience because. Uh, what you have to kind of preach is a, a 180 of what most people preach. So it's, um, it's uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Breath of fresh air, you know.
1: And necessary. It's necessary that this information get out there. And we appreciate you taking the time to join us and, and be open to sharing this information. Because, I, you know, when we started looking at it and reading your books and, and your research and all that, it just, it was very hard to to take. It was very hard to swallow because it was so completely 180 of what we have been told and so many people are suffering unnecessarily so because uh, they're so misinformed.
2: There's one little uh, anti-inflammatory tidbit that's very easy to do that I haven't mentioned. It's it's connected to the, the fact that uh, once the inflammation starts to lower your energy, it becomes a vicious circle. And just having cold feet and uh, cold hands creates an inflammatory condition. Uh, When the blood drops a few degrees to circulate through your cold feet, it releases inflammatory mediators. And so just, uh, for example, sleeping with a wool cap and warm socks uh, can uh, help greatly with Inflammation as well as uh, insomnia problems.
1: Right. Well, you yeah, we we can guarantee that we'll be at home tonight sleeping with full <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I've been drinking my milk
0: putting a cap
1: on and, and boots and jumping <laughs> in an bed with
0: <laughs> my birthday <laughs> sheet. Uh, well, we don't have any of the callers I don't know if we got a couple more minutes if you want to add something in regards to inflammation or if you want to tell a little bit more people about where they can learn more about you're totally welcome to Ray. Uh,
2: well uh, calcification and um, osteoporosis are two very important uh, aspects of inflammation. Uh, the inflammatory uh, substances, uh, prostaglandins, serotonin, TSH uh, the um cytokines interleukins uh break down the healthy bone structure and at the same time put calcium into your arteries and uh brain pineal gland uh, every place that you don't want calcium uh, so the um just taking aspirin for example uh, to lower inflammation will help to prevent uh calcification of your arteries and help to strengthen uh, the bones because inflammation is uh, affected by by so many things. Uh, and something as simple as aspirin helps with osteoporosis.
0: Great. It's great stuff. Guys, I know he's modest. If you want to learn more about him, check out his website, Ray, R-A-Y, T E A T dot com. He's got tons of articles. Um, we posted a lot of links on our site, eastwesthealing.com, dot Bring you to his site. Um, his articles are deep, as I mentioned, but just read them and reread them and reread them and reread them. Um,
2: I'm, I'm going also, to put up another ten or fifteen articles in a few days.
0: Awesome. Oh, great. He's also <laughs> got. Um, yeah, I'll add that to my stack of articles to read of yours.
1: Um, <laughs> Because
0: I, I I printed out every article from Ray's website, guys, and it costs you about black and white about two hundred and sixty dollars, but it's worth it. <laughs> so he's also got he's also got five or he's got you have five books, Ray right, or six. Five. Five. He's got five books. They're awesome in regards to PMS and hormones and menopause and nutrition for women. Um, so definitely check them out. They're cheap. I think you can get all of them. With shipping for maybe 70 bucks um, and they're probably some of the best books I've read I think I've read and Jeannie's read them we've read them numerous times so check those out um, so we really appreciate it Ray um, oh. another great show
2: okay so thank you
0: <laughs> so um, we look forward to having you on again and we uh, just want to say thanks and have a great day
2: okay thank you
0: All right, thanks Ray All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Got 30 more seconds. Um, I know 60 minutes with Ray is definitely not enough. Personally, it's a lot of information. It's deep, challenging information. But you know, I the think goal at is the same, same
1: time, it's enough to allow you to swallow it and get ready for some more. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: the goal is to really listen to the show and re-listen to it, and really give you a place to start learning it's not to really give you an education in 60 minutes on inflammation it's really kind of an outline so you can start researching estrogen progesterone researching serotonin researching what inflammation is and what polyunsaturated fatty acids are you know if i'm pregnant or want to become pregnant how do i create the body to facilitate life in an embryo versus facilitate inflammation so um we really appreciate everyone tuning in tune in Check out our Facebook, Josh Rubin, Jeannie Rubin. We'll be posting tons of articles as well as our next show with Ray in February, um, which will be on, not sure yet, but it'll be a, another great topic. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in February.
1: You know that feeling you get when you find a really great deal on something? It's like, wow, today's my day! Well, you can get that great deal feeling over and over again at the Safeway Stock Up Sale. Enjoy aisle after aisle of big savings on everything you need. Use your club card to get fresh USDA Choice beef boneless chuck roast for only three ninety nine a pound. Selected varieties of General Mills cereals are just one forty nine each. And find coupons throughout the store for amazing deals on stock up favorites. You're going to love the Safeway Stock Up Sale. It's
0: just better.